This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault, and I am joined today by Mehek Saeed, who once again will be here to talk about the greatest film festival in the world, and that is the Toronto International Film Festival. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be back. This is going to be, what, your your third year in a row on this podcast talking about the festival itself, am I right? Oh my gosh, has it been three years? Probably, actually, yeah. I, I think maybe two years on ContraZoom and maybe one on Capsule or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, it's definitely been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. But yeah, the, the festival is upon us just in a few weeks. So I'm just getting ready, gearing up and figuring out what I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to do something a little bit differently. Normally, uh, you come and join after the festival's over and we talk about, you know, what were the big movies that came out of it? What were your favorites? What are some underrated gems? Things like that that we should be paying attention to. But this time, we're actually going to sort of preview the festival a little bit. It runs from September 6th until the 16th. So this is pretty much basically just looking at TIFF's lineup and being like, what looks good? What looks interesting? What might surprise us? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Sh- shall we get into it? Sure. Yeah. I think the okay. best place to start um, is with what's going to be the opening film. The opening film is going to be David McKenzie's Outlaw King. McKenzie did Hell or High Water, which was my number one movie two years ago. Uh, and this is a new movie starring Chris Pine about the Scottish hero Robert the Bruce. Uh, mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it's actually a Netflix movie. Yeah, it is a huge move by the Toronto International Film Festival to um, use a film that's going to end up on streaming platforms as the opening night film for the festival. I don't I don't I can't really recall if there's any other festival that's done that yet um, as their opening night film. So very interesting choice. Definitely. Yeah, I don't think any festivals done a big marquee thing like this. I know, obviously, festivals have screened Netflix movies in a Mm -hmm. few different ways. One, because sometimes they haven't been bought by Netflix before. uh, So they usually get picked up afterwards, or just because it's Netflix trying to make it eligible for awards contentions. But Mm -hmm. I think what's even more interesting is earlier this year at Con, they kicked Netflix out completely because they weren't screening them in theaters. Yes, exactly. I think um, I think it's a lot of festivals are at that point, and I mean, to a certain extent, most have embraced the fact that the streaming era is here and that we should not be shutting down these productions. But Con is just it's just Con, you know. <laughs> they refuse to um, to embrace embrace what is our inevitable future. So <laughs> it it is a bit annoying for them because that festival's been around for so long it really was seen as the sort of most influential aspect in filmmaking especially from the european and eastern side of the world for the longest time but the last 20 30 years their ethos have changed so much and it's so 
corporate and overrun and things like that, where I think TIFF is actually specifically doing this basically as a middle finger to them to kind of reposition themselves as the premier film festival in the world. Thinking about revenge. Where's Robert? Where's your husband? It tears at the soul. Where's your brother? But it can also be a weapon. Yeah, and I mean, TIFF has been one of those festivals, like you said, that has screened Netflix films before and, you know, hasn't, you know, had any issues with doing so. I mean, last year, I think one of the big titles that screened at TIFF was Mudbound, which went on to become an Academy Award nominated film. Um, And prior to that, I think Beasts of No Nation also had a premiere at TIFF. So this is very much in line with the kind of the the lens that TIFF has been using when it comes to the films that they think are going to appeal to their audiences, to the ones that they like to include in their programming, and really is a very definitive stance that they're here and they're ready to cheer for streaming platforms like Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, then uh, maybe let's transition to maybe some movies that look a little interesting. I think, you know, on the surface, when you're kind of looking at a festival lineup, you basically just have to go by what names you already know, because it's mm-hmm. so hard with, you know, I think it's uh, probably close to 60, 70 movies that are going to be screened. You're not going to know everyone that's involved, and there's going to be a lot of debut films and filmmakers from around the world that just don't get the attention they deserve. So mm-hmm. just looking at names, there's a few that really stand out for me. Uh, First Man, the new Damien Chazelle movie starring Ryan Gosling, who's playing Neil Armstrong, looks really interesting. It's going to be his first non-musical movie in a while. Yes, that is true. I... First man, I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm very hesitant about that movie because I, I feel like the, it is the type of topic that can be, that can lend itself to a very like done style of filmmaking. Um, and, you know, kind of transition into the very typical biopic kind of film. Um, but that being said, Damien Chazelle has always been very good about his kind of visual choices with his films and, you know, uh, the teams that he always assembles in terms of cinematography and editing. So I think in that respect, he'll probably bring something interesting to the table, but I, I am a little hesitant in terms of, you know, the story itself. I I don't blame you. I watched the trailer, um, and it does look like it has a really nice aesthetic to it where it actually looks like it was probably filmed in the 60s. There's mm-hmm. a nice graininess to the look of it. Uh, and I, I'm always weary of biopics as well, but I think the fact that this seems to be focusing on uh, just the lead-up to the, the moon landing will probably bode itself well to it and not sort of a overarching who is Neil Armstrong from birth to death. Right, right. And it'll be interesting to see how Damien Chazelle kind of pivots to this type of um, t- this type of film because it's very different than the other stuff that he's worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that seemed really interesting to me is uh, The Old Man and the Gun, the new David Lowry movie, uh, who last year did A Ghost Story, which was my number one movie from last year, which mm-hmm. is a true-life dramedy about an unrepentant bank robber and jailbreaker determined to live life by his own rules, starring Robert Redford, Sissy Spacek, Elizabeth Moss, and Casey Affleck. 
So correct me if I'm wrong, but is this not Robert Redford's, apparently it's his last film? I believe it is. I don't, let me, let me pull this up right now. Uh, I don't know if he has anything else in the can, but yes, he did just announce recently that he is now retired from acting. Um, mm-hmm. let's see, looking at his IMDb page, this will be his last movie. So there's definitely going to be a lot of attention on this movie. So, uh, what did you say you do? Well, that's a secret. And why is that? Well, because if I told you, you probably wouldn't want to see me again. Who said I was going to see you again? Would you? Well, let's take this place. Say it was a bank. And instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window. And you just walk in, real calm. So you walk right up, look her in the eye, and you say, Ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun, like this. And you say, I wouldn't want you to get hurt. Because I like you. I like you a lot. So don't go breaking my heart now, okay? <sighs> You're not serious. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't seen a ghost story yet, so I can't. I'm not too sure of, like what to expect from the film itself. But this is a very stacked cast, and you know the fact that this is Robert Redford's last film, uh, as he has announced. I think this is going to be a, a buzzy film in its in its own way um, at the festival this year. And I just love anything that Elizabeth Moss is in, so I'm I'm very much game for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems interesting. I, I watched the the trailer for this one as well, and it looks like there's a, a nice little bit of uh, down to earth humor, uh, and you know Redford's charisma carries a movie all on its own. So you don't really need much else after that. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Oh, another one that seems really interesting that I don't really know a ton about is the new Barry Jenkins movie, If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, it's about a a woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiance is innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. Uh, and it's a bit of an unknown cast starring Kiki Lane, uh, Stephen James, but with Regina King and, uh, Brian Tyree Henry as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, If Beale Street Could Talk is my number one film for the festival. So like every festival, I always identify like three films, I would say that are like my must. I need to figure out how to get into a screening. I want to see it. Uh, I will not leave TIFF until I get into some sort of screening of it. So if Beale Street Could Talk is my number one pick this year, um, this is Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight, uh, which as we all know, he won an Oscar for. And I think it's a very, it's, I, I gotta say, I have to hand it to the programmers at TIFF uh, for being able to lock down this movie because I think this is a very much anticipated film, especially after all of Moonlight's success. And when I look back at Moonlight, I think it really gained a lot because um, I remember they like added this like, like a couple of screenings to it and they added this one P&I screening and it was very, very quiet and very, very difficult to get into. Um, but it, it, it definitely generated a lot of buzz. So I think there's a very strong relationship between Jenkins and the festival. And it just makes me so happy that Stephen James is in this movie. He's a Canadian. He's had a few roles, um, you know, over the years, including, um, Selma. He was in Selma with Ava DuVernay, uh, directed by Ava DuVernay. And so this is, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of exciting things about it. And the trailer has like this beautiful, like, warm aesthetic to him the coloring's like stunning already like i'm already just obsessed with it so (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i think what's interesting is the trailer really doesn't give that much away it definitely seems like it's going to be a very emotional movie but other than that 
and what is in the tagline, I really know nothing about this movie, but the scrutiny will be on this movie for sure as far as Barry Jenkins doing a follow-up. Everyone is going to be wanting to see it and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a tough film to get into, but I think, I, I hope, maybe, no, I hope, and I know that we're all going to be very pleasantly surprised by it. Now, you said you have three movies that are your must-sees, and if Beale Street Could Talk is one of them, what were your other two? So I haven't identified the third one yet, but I do really, really want to see Widows, which is Steve McQueen's new film starring mm-hmm. Viola Davis. I just think that like Steve McQueen does an exceptional job of getting incredible performances out of his cast, and Viola Davis is just she is unstoppable in every way possible. Um, the, the, I think the, the general synopsis of the film is it's about these four women and their husbands were all involved in kind of um, like they kind of had mob ties in a sense, and then they all died. And so these four widows uh, come together to kind of pick up the business and pick up the slack and, uh, and, you know, protect their families, which is, it just has, so much like there's just so much in there to love about that story and i'm kind of hoping there's something like ultra feministy about it um and then again paired with steve mcqueen's direction i can't see this film not being not being mind-blowingly good and it's a world premiere so again this is a huge huge win for tiff as a festival uh to to be able to have this you know this almost kind of reminds me a little bit of did you ever watch the sopranos Yes. Okay. So the idea behind, you know, Tony Soprano being the big scary mob boss, he's in control of everything and his family seems completely oblivious to it. But when sort of push comes to, to shove, I can't remember, um, what her, what his wife's name was in the show. Uh, she definitely kind of stepped up when it was needed to be and was shown to be just as much of a force behind, uh, the, the organized crime aspect as Tony was. And I can, mm-hmm. and I, and I wonder if this movie will kind of take a similar tone where it seems like the women are on the periphery. And then when their husbands all die, that they, they know more than they actually let on that they're in control more than they actually seem to be and that sort of thing. Yeah. I have a feeling that that's where the story is going to kind of go. And I mean, I think, you know, the cast that, uh, Steve McQueen's kind of put together here is gonna gonna really shape this movie well, and I think in a way that will give us a different a, a different lens to the typical kind of mob, arm you know like thieving, robbering kind of films that we've seen in the past. Like I'm just I'm looking at the cast right now, and it's like okay, like Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal's in this, Colin Farrell, Daniel Kaluuya's in this, Robert Duvall, Jackie Weaver. Andre Holland, like it is stacked mm-hmm. from like the entire, you know, from head to toe. So I'm, I'm very, very excited for this movie. And it's my, one of my must sees. It shouldn't be too surprising considering 12 years of slave was able to balance such a big cast with some really big names in it as well as it did. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Steve McQueen's very good with the ensembles. And again, I can't see this movie not being successful at this festival because 12 years of slave did win people's choice when it screened at the festival a few years ago and then went on to win best pick did it win best pick yes it won best picture yes it did yeah. so 
Yeah, so very, very excited. There, There's a couple other that seem uh, a little interesting as far as uh, ones that might generate some buzz. High Life, which is going to be French director Claire Denis' English language debut, and it stars Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, and Andre 3000 as a group of criminals sent into deep space. Like, that alone sounds very interesting to me. Oh, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and especially with how Pattinson's career has gone in the last four or five years, you know, I think he has successfully shaken whatever preconceived notions he might have had about him from his Twilight years. Same as Kristen Stewart. I think they both have done an amazing job picking roles that will show their strengths and diversity in their acting abilities. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, it's, I, like when I look at these these stars of these like huge franchises, I mean Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, like those four leads have all done an incredible job of like distancing themselves from those films. And you know I'm sure they're all personally grateful and everything, but it's great to see them being able to flex their their acting muscles in so many different directions and be really good at it. And you know in the way that you look at those performances and don't think about. Edward and Bella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and and Kristen Stewart has, I think she's got like two films at this festival. Really? Uh, as well. Yeah, I know she's she's in the closing night film at TIFF this year. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what she serves up this time as well. Okay. Uh, and then uh, as far as foreign language films, I uh, I highlighted three that looked really interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. The first one, Shoplifters, which was the Japanese film that won the Palme d'Or at Cannes earlier this year, is about a family of small-time crooks taking a child that they find on the street. It's directed by Hirokazu Koreda, who did uh, Like Father, Like Son, which was a pretty popular Japanese film a couple of years ago. And watching the trailer kind of has a bit of a more dramatic Wes Anderson feel to it. Like not necessarily his visual aesthetic, but in terms of the story being told a little bit of comedy, but definitely more about the the family relationships, which is, I think something that Anderson works well into his scripts. Cool. I'm, I'm again, I, I'm always hesitant with these Palm d'Or winners because I've seen a couple in the past and I haven't been too, too impressed. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but that, that, um, synopsis sounds very interesting. Yeah. It, it has a very interesting little trailer. I, I recommend checking it out. Hmm. Um, the new Asgard Farhadi movie, everybody knows, uh, Farhadi did a separation, which won best foreign language film quite a few years ago now. And then a couple years ago did the salesman, uh, <laughs> Um, and this time he's actually working in Spain, uh, with a movie starring Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, uh, about uh, a couple that, uh, from, that's living in Buenos Aires that move, that goes back to Madrid, uh, to attend her sister's wedding. However, the trip is upset by an unexpected events that bring secrets into the open. And so it has a bit of a, a thriller vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's got real life couple Bardem and Cruz has me really interested to see how they'll work together. Yeah, for sure. I, I still, I, and I don't know if it's like really widely available now, but I know they had a film loving Pablo. I think that was last year at the festival. And a lot of people said that their uh, on-screen chemistry together was pretty good. So I, I'll be curious to see what it's like in this movie and hopefully I'll be able to catch it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last foreign language one that I kind of want to point out that seems interesting is the new Alfonso Cuaron movie, Roma. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his follow-up to Gravity. He hasn't done a uh, feature length since then. And it uh, seems like a very simple story about um, chronicling a year in the life of a middle-class family in Mexico City in the early 1970s. And it's shot in black and white, so it's got a gorgeous look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it seems like this isn't really going to be a plot-heavy film. This is definitely going to be more about characters than anything. But I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see what the reception will be. I can see this being uh, one that's not seen as much as other films. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Alfonso being who he is, I think a lot of um, a lot of people kind of lean in towards that fact. But this is this is a lot different than some of his, you know, previous films or some of the things he's been working on the last couple of years. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, his kind of artistic take. And I think if I read if I remember correctly, this film is supposed to be semi autobiographical. Hmm. I think I maybe I, I it's very much possible I confused it with another movie, but I feel like I read that somewhere. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, especially that it seems to be such a simple story where you know there there's no murders, there's no scientific breakthroughs that need to be happening and going into space. I can definitely see him drawing upon that well of, of his youth growing up in Mexico. Hmm. Um, cool. are there any other movies, uh, that, uh, you are gonna, you're gonna try to see that we didn't talk about yet? Yeah. I mean, I'm still like digging through and trying to figure out, you know, what my, you know, what, I, what I'm hoping to kind of, to kind of go check out. But I, I, I do want to bring, I would do kind of want to highlight some of the midnight madness films that are happening this year, because there are some very interesting titles there. I mean, generally speaking, midnight madness is probably my favorite program at TIFF because, you get some very wild films on on those screens, and that's also the best audience. So, if, you know, if you if anybody like wants to experience TIFF for TIFF and really get a sense of what that festival is all about, I would highly recommend going to a Midnight Madness screening um, because it's just it's so much fun. But I I'm very interested in the fact that they've they've nabbed two really huge world premieres this year. So. One is The Predator, and the other is Halloween, which I I think actually, you know what, Dakota, I lied. I think this is my third must-see movie because I love the Halloween franchise mm-hmm. um, and Michael Myers, and I'm very excited that Jamie Lee Curtis is in this film, and she's coming back to um, to her character, so I think that'll be a really fun screening to go to. Another Midnight Madness film that I'm super excited about is Assassination Nation, which is I don't really know much about the director and the cast seems to be relatively unknown. Um, but I'm just going to read the, the kind of the summary and the tip provided, uh, in the Salem set thriller, four young women are accused of hacking and publishing their community's private information, launching a proverbial witch hunt with very real consequences. So I, I kind of feel like this is like a kill bill, but with like more technology and it just, it sounds like, it sounds like a great midnight madness film. And finally, I want to just mention quickly uh, this Bollywood film that's coming to Midnight Madness, which I only discovered this morning, actually, um, called The Man Who Feels No Pain or Marco Nahihota. Um, And it's about a man who has the ability to not feel anything. So he doesn't feel pain in any way. And he sets out to hunt down a few of his foes and basically battles them in this Bollywood movie. So I'm very interested um, in those titles at Midnight Madness. And then 
outside of that, I don't know. There's just, there's tons and tons of movies that I'm very excited to see. Interesting. Yeah. That one seems kind of cool. Uh, you'll have to let me know how that one goes. Yeah. I'm definitely not well versed in my Bollywood cinema. So yeah. you're, 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 kind of, you're kind of my, my expert that I, I turn to. You know, I'm not sure if I'm as good of an expert because I haven't been too in tune with the with the films over the last few years. I only watched a couple here and there, but this one sounds a lot different than the ones that I'm used to hearing about or seeing. So I'll definitely let you know what you know what it's all about. And then there's a couple movies where I don't know exactly if they're going to be great or not. Uh, there's the new Melissa McCarthy movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Directed mm-hmm. by Marielle Heller, who did Diary of a Teenage Girl, about a writer who resorts to selling forged historical letters on the black market. Uh, it seems like it's sort of a comedy, sort of a drama. I really like Melissa McCarthy, but I find she's so hit or miss in her films. Yes, so. I would agree. I don't know what to expect from this. I'll, this is not one that I will go see until I know what the reviews are about it. Nobody is going to pay for the writer Lee Israel right now. I'm months behind in my rent and my cat is sick. It's four in the afternoon and you're drunk. I'm hardly drunk. Crazy. No problem. My suggestion to you is you go out there and you find another way to make a living. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I would agree, have to agree with everything that you said. I, I want, I always want the most out of Melissa McCarthy films because I love her so much. But sometimes, like in her kind of dramatic roles and even some of her comedy films, I'm not, you know, I, I do feel like she misses the mark, or maybe the story is just not the right fit. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see how that movie turns out. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one is that I don't know how it's going to turn out is A Star Is Born, uh, mm-hmm. the remake uh, that Bradley Cooper is directing and starring in with Lady Gaga in the Barbara Streisand, uh, Judy Garland role. Yeah, that one is definitely going to be a big, buzzy movie at the festival. I mean, last year, I think it was last year, Lady Gaga had her documentary, Five Foot Two. Another Netflix movie. Another Netflix movie, yeah. And that that had like a huge kind of, you know, event spectacle kind of thing around it because Lady Gaga came to the festival. She did a performance at um, at the at the premiere of it. And it was it was actually a pretty well done documentary. I watched it when it came on Netflix a week after the festival. Um, But obviously, you know, there's a huge tie with the artist. And I'm sure people who are fans of the original movie will want to come see this. And it's Bradley Cooper's directorial debut. So it's there's a lot a lot riding on this movie. And I it looks good to me. It does. Like, I think this is going to be one of those like guilty pleasure kind of movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- this will probably be the, the movie with the most press coverage as far as, you know, fans being there, media being there, bloggers, paparazzi, everything like that. Everyone is going to be at this screening. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they like the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. Uh, I guess the last thing is... uh 
you know, the, the TIFF has always been a bit of a precursor to who is going to be leading the pack for the Oscars. The People's Choice Award winner almost always gets a Best Picture nomination, if not winning it outright, uh, especially in the last decade or so. They've been really on the nose with uh, predicting who is going to go on to win those big awards. Mm-hmm. Are there any movies you see that you think are going to be either in contention for the People's Choice Award or ones that are probably going to be in the Best Picture race? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many. Um, I definitely think if Beale Street could talk is going to be a contender for both people's choice and a best picture nom. Um, I just, there's just so much around that movie that really feels like could resonate, it could resonate with Toronto audiences the way, you know, Barry Jenkins last movie did. And I think he's going to come into this even more well-known, right? whether or not it's because people saw Moonlight or if it's because of the Oscars debacle that happened. Like, uh, I definitely feel like this is going to be a good year for him. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of movies that we, we didn't talk about, but a couple that are kind of on the radar for this, uh, this year's festival season, Boy Erased and Beautiful Boy mm-hmm. are both um, two big films um, starring some really amazing up-and-comers. Lucas Hedges is in Boy Erased, Beautiful Boy, uh, stars Timothy Chalamet, and I could see, you know, those films kind of resonating. And I think, um, I think Boy Erased is, would have already premiered at Venice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it'll come in with a little bit of buzz and we'll probably, you know, pick up, um, during, over the course of TIFF this year. Yeah, uh, Boy Erased, I think definitely is, is one that seems really interesting to me. And I could see that maybe, uh, getting some buzz. It's directed by Joel Edgerton, who did The Gift a couple years ago that was pretty underrated. I, I didn't see it when it came out. I waited a couple years. And when I did see it, it was a, a nice, tidy little thriller. And so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see this, especially with Lucas Hedges' rise in the last few years. Um, but going up against Tim- Timothy Chalamet and his film, uh, will also be very interesting because the two of them were both in Lady Bird last year and they kind of seem like the two hot young actors right now where they're making some great career choices and I'm really interested to see where they go. So mm-hmm. I can see both of those movies being up there. And like you mentioned, uh, if Beale Street could talk, Barry Jenkins film, I wouldn't be surprised if the media sort of pits it up against Chazelle's first man as well, because they have the history with the La La Land Moonlight issue at the Oscars from a few years ago. Mm-hmm, that's right. I didn't even think about that relationship. That's very much possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, although I think if there's maybe a good dark horse, I could see it being Widows. Uh, McQueen's got the pedigree with 12 Years a Slave, and I could see a nice... Uh, sort of girls behaving badly feminist movie with a killer cast like it does could really be something that the audience gets into. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so yeah, there, there, you know, there's always a chance of something surprising coming up. There has been a few years where a foreign film without a ton of buzz ends up winning the People's Choice Award. Uh, and sometimes they do go for a bit more of the lighter fare as opposed to maybe the best movie. It sometimes gets picked as the most enjoyable movie. So it's really hard to predict at this point. Yeah, definitely. I just want to note very quickly that there are lots of movies that are being 
directed by actors at this festival. So like Bradley Cooper's got his film. Jonah Hill's directorial debut is coming to TIFF called Mid-90s. Max Minghella, who is in The Social Network and he's in uh, Handmaid's Tale, has his feature debut. Paul Dano's feature debut is coming to TIFF. Like, maybe they should just create a category strictly for actors becoming directors and do, like, a people's choice based around them because there's quite a few options this year. That's really interesting. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, I don't know if it would be either TIFF reaching out to them or their teams going out to TIFF. Because TIFF has such a great reputation of being welcoming, of artists doing new and interesting things with their careers. You know, you hear about interviews all the time where the actors, directors, producers always say, you know, TIFF is the best festival because the fans get it. Uh, we have a good crowd to present this to and it really helps us that when people are making their, their debut films transitioning into directing, that they sort of target this festival as the one that they should be at mm-hmm. definitely because they know there's going to be big audiences going in and a mixed audience too right like you have obviously the more kind of film savvy individuals and then you have people who are just kind of there for the celebrity factor and then you have people from the actual industry so it's um you know tiff is tiff is a great spot if you want to try and reach multiple kind of target segments and see how your film plays out with a mass audience mm-hmm yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, this is our the preview for. I'm going to have a bunch of links and trailers in the show notes. So make sure you check out liveinlimbo.com for all of that. Uh, hopefully after the festival is over at some point, you can come back on. That would be amazing the heck. And we could talk about how right or wrong we were about any of these picks we just said. Mm-hmm. And you can tell us what are the must-see movies because you really are the, the expert at being ahead of the game and telling us what we should all be watching and looking out for. Oh, thanks so much, Dakota. I love movies. That's what it all comes down to. And I will sacrifice sleep and health for the sake of the festival, as I do every single year. And let's see if I can beat last year's record. That's my only my only thing that I can say. And hopefully I'll come back with some good recommendations for you and everyone. Well, good. Uh, so yeah, like I said, check out liveandlimbo.com for the show notes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DGAPA. You can also follow the show at ContraZoomPod. Uh, the last few episodes I've talked about, if you have the ability to, please go to podchaser.com. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can quickly rate and review. All you need is a Facebook account and it aims to be the IMDB of podcasts, of course, iTunes, rating and review are always great for helping us find new listeners. Mehek, where can people find you? You can find me at What the Mehek on social media. Let me know if you're going to TIFF and maybe I'll see you. Yeah, share some recommendations. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Uh, happy TIFFing and we will be back with a recap episode later on.